Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call BarryYourGold.com, and what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground, and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold, not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to BarryYourGold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Bitcoin sinks below 40000 and the world is celebrating because the most successful investors buy when everyone else is selling, and they sell when everyone else is buying. Because cryptocurrency is a risky investment, you as an investor need a fully secure digital money platform, and that's what we give you with My Digital Money, MDM for short. MDM uses unparalleled military-grade cold storage for your cryptos, which is also fully insured. Because this was created by Colin Plume, CEO of American-based Noble Gold, when you reach customer service, you'll be able to understand what they're telling you english spoken here mdm will help you open and maintain your crypto ira so go to their website mydigitalmoney.com digital currency is a new and very speculative market it is risky no outcome can be predicted with any investment is subject to complete loss and not suitable for all investors my digitalmoney.com is really where you want to go to have a safe place to invest you have enough to worry about let us help you set it up and you'll be extremely happy with our service hey everybody dave hodges here host of the common sense show thanks for staying with us into our guest segment and as you know we always have an intro that precedes this and uh all comes together but we like to spend considerable time with our guests and we have a guest today that's going to shed some light on the oil industry. And I don't think it's getting enough attention. Now, I have to tell you that when I look at oil, I'm really worried about the ramifications, not just about, you know, he's going to, Dave's going to, Dave Jenkins, our guest, is going to be talking about some implementations he thinks that needs to come from the federal government. And I agree with what he's saying, but the ramifications are so far reaching. Can we even get products to market after a while with what's going on in the oil market? And that's something that I'll bring up today. But first, I need to let you know there's some people here that keep the lights on for us and uh, we like to package a couple of things together we could be in for some really rough times food shortages are already starting to show up the meat shortages and wendy's where one out of four stores don't have meat and they're pushing their chicken sandwiches and we're hearing some real dire projections from farmers and people on grocery co-op chains that i interview and so get ready we have storable food that has great diversity it's restaurant type quality i like it when i tasted it and there's 25 year shelf life and the prices have not increased pre-covid prices i mean how many people can say that with all the price gouging that's been going on how do you get yours go to preparewithdave.com that's preparewithdave.com and if you have food you darn well better have water because how long will critical infrastructure people stay on the job during a crisis well the answer is katrina shows us about four days and the naval war college says on the fifth day of a prolonged crisis waterborne illness has become a big big problem you don't want to go there you'll have plenty of water swimming pools creeks ponds streams standing water 
but you may not find it safe to drink and even what comes out of your tap if no one's minding the store so to speak well you got to worry that's why we sell the alexa pure pro water filter and i'm a research guy and you know that i taught that for a lot of years at the university level so let me just say this very very clearly ladies and gentlemen when we take a look at the situation involving water purity the research at this site says this is the best go to waterwithdave.com and oh by the way 40 percent off is what they're offering right now in this crisis time so yeah preparewithdave.com for the food and waterwithdave.com for the water and we have dave jenkins here and i just lost my screen oh my goodness um hold on here let me make a little adjustment here because i've got everything i need for this interview right here and i just pulled it up okay all right live radio at its best right here we go dave jenkins and, and I, i'll tell you i've been wanting to interview someone about oil for some time and and dave just kind of jumped in my lap thanks to crystal bailey who uh, crystal mullings who came across and said hey, i have a guest here for you and i said wow this is just what we want to do so let me give dave's bio and then we'll jump right into this dave has worked for crs or its predecessor organization republicans for environmental protection since 2005 for much of that time he served as the vp for government and political affairs for rep he has been instrumental in numerous organizational and legislative accomplishments dave has written and spoken extensively about many of today's most pressing environmental issues conservatism our nation's conservation heritage and american politics his writing has appeared in dozens of newspapers and other publications prior to crs and rep dave was the american canoe association's director of conservation and public policy for 10 years and before that he was on the staff but this takes you back for Senator Pete Domenici of uh, New Mexico. He holds a BA in political science from Furman University. Dave, welcome to the Common Sense Show. Thank you so much for being with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Well, Dave, I want to just start off by a public declaration here. Sometimes my audience has the mistaken belief that because I'm a conservative, I'm against all forms of environmentalism. I am not. I'm against unresearched untested illogical claims made by some people on the left that want to take away things from us that are needless and unnecessary but i think we should be good stewards of our environment so having said that i think we've got the playing field to go into here and you're concerned about oil so let's just jump right into it dave uh how did you get concerned and let's just follow this trail well as you know conservatives are usually uh concerned about um uh taxpayers and, and making sure that we get a fair deal um, and also fiscal responsibility it's, uh, you know with with all the spending nowadays you you wonder if that's still still uh, a thing but um, but um, you know you do it at your home with your checkbook your bank account uh, we think our government should be fiscally responsible as well and so to that end um, you know with with the free market you know and you know whether you got stocks or you're talking about real estate the whole notion is that when you sell something that you have, you sell, you try to sell high. You don't sell low. Of course. And um, given the current glut of oil uh, on the market um, and the, the absolutely collapsing demand, um, I mean, we've got oil tankers off the coast of California that just sit there because they have no place to put the oil. Uh, in Canada, they're they're storing oil in pipelines, uh, tap plugging up the ends and just storing, use them as storage. Uh, it, it's really crazy. So we're saying, well, in that environment, it really doesn't make any sense for us to hold lease auctions of our public lands and continue to to try to lease land for oil and gas development right at the moment. We should suspend that for the rest of the year because 
there's no way the American taxpayer is going to get anywhere near a fair return on these lease sales when the market is flooded and demand for oil has crashed. Well, um, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And so I guess I have to ask the obvious question. When I look at why we're doing things that seem to make no sense on the surface, then tell me who's benefiting from this illogical practice. Well, the oil companies will ultimately because if um, if they can, um, if we practically give away our public assets. Now, the, the way taxpayers uh, get a return from oil and gas leasing on public land or oil and gas activity on public land, they get it in two ways. Uh, one is through companies bidding against each other for leases and driving up the price. You know, there's a nice lease there. You want the oil underneath and two companies compete for it and eventually that lease price is high. Um, and also through royalties. Uh, when the oil and gas is produced, uh, we get 12.5% of, um, of that uh, split between the federal government and, and the state. Um, neither of those are likely to be good sources of revenue while the industry is, is literally drowning in oil. It, it, oil it can't sell and oil it has no place to store. So when, you, when that happens is if you don't have bidding on, a lease, on leases, they can sell at something called the minimum bid, which is a paltry $2 per acre. And the ones that don't sell then get on a secondary market, and they would they could be got for $1.50 an acre. And that's a per-year price. Um, so in our view, it's, it's kind of fiscal lunacy to continue to hold lease auctions right now when the oil company doesn't even – I mean, they're ramping down production because – they have no place to put the oil. They have no demand. So why don't you know? What's the rush? Why don't we just hold on our assets and then if we want to, if we want to uh, start this back up again when the market improves, then that's fine. But don't shortchange taxpayers by just sort of staying on the same course, even though the situation all across the world has changed. So buying at these depressed prices, I can see how it affects the American taxpayer. But I'm wondering about the motive for the oil company. So pardon me if I guess wrong here, but is it due to the fact that they're trying to acquire land that could be oil-rich as cheaply as possible today for use tomorrow in an escalating environment? Exactly. Um, if they can if they can lease land for a buck fifty an acre or two dollars an acre, when in good times they would have had to compete with another company, and they might that you know that lease could have went for thousands of thousands or even millions of dollars an acre. Um, well, why not do that? Um, it's a good deal for the oil companies long term. They have relatively little investment in that. Um, in fact, you know right now the oil companies are actually sitting on. Um, they're sitting on 36 million acres of public land that they've leased, and only a third of that is under some phase or level of production. Um, they're also sitting on around 10,000 unused permits. So they like to hoard these assets for the future. And um, some degree of that is is forward-thinking, and, and, and you know it certainly makes sense. But we've got to look at this. I mean, we own these lands. You know, these, these belong to us. Um, and um, we want to get a, a good return on it. Um, and when if oil is not the, the right use at the time for these lands, then they should be managed for other uses that could, could uh, generate revenue or could um, just generally help, help society in general, like uh, you know, whether it's recreation, hunting, fishing, um, water supply management, um, 
uh, other forms of outdoor recreation, tourism. There's a lot of a lot of things you you know these public lands are utilized for, and um, sitting them up on a shelf for the oil companies at, at bargain basement prices just doesn't seem very wise. Well, let's go to the uh, agencies who are allowing this abuse of taxpayer trust uh, to continue. Could we be talking about groups like the BLM or the National Forest Service? Uh, BLM is is the primary agency responsible. Yes, and uh, uh, when um, when the Trump administration came in, uh, there was an executive order, um, and and there's a real rush to lease as much land as possible. So. So BLM's under kind of a mandate to hold lease sales um, like every quarter. And so hundreds of thousands of acres are put up for lease uh, every quarter. And uh, they've been doing this at a, at a, at a rapid clip. And um, they're, they're even doing it in states like Nevada where uh, geologically they, they really have no oil and gas. But anyway, um, that's, it's one thing to do that when, you know, you're trying to ramp up production and you want us you want the u.s to be independent uh uh on an on a oil basis from uh places like saudi arabia and russia and things like that um but um when you've got such a glut on the market you, you need to you need to alter your course and right now they're just continuing with those marching orders as if nothing has changed but everything has changed and um uh you know if the oil companies uh buy these public assets um, for a song and a prayer now, um, we have no chance to really um, ever get that back. I mean, these lease terms are 10 years long, and they can be extended. Um, the other thing that's crazy is that the administration is uh, considering, or they're actually moving forward on a case-by-case basis, with royalty relief. In other words, cutting the rate of return for the taxpayers on oil and gas is produced so we're supposed to get 12.5 percent onshore and i think it's more like 15 percent offshore um but they want to slash those royalty rates the, oh the, the problem with the problem with that is not only does it hurt taxpayers but it actually incentivizes production if you can pull out oil and pay less royalties you've got an incentive to pull that all out now as opposed to later um so what do, what do we want to do when we got a flooded market and tankers off the coast of California that can't dump their oil? We want to continue to incentivize production when we're asking, we're begging Saudi Arabia and Russia and Mexico to cut production. Mm-hmm. It, it it just makes no sense. Can I can I ask you a, a question here? Because because now you're getting into my layman's knowledge here, so <laughs> I'm going to need some guidance, and I'm probably pretty reflective of most of my audience who don't work in this industry. But what I'm wondering here. The oil companies seem to be working counterproductively towards their own final end, because if you overproduce, the law of supply and demand says that you can't charge as much at the pump because of the glut. So doesn't that work against their end result? Uh, yes, it does. Um, actually, I mean, I think last week I paid a dollar fifty-nine uh, for a gallon of gas, which is kind of unheard of. Over the past um, but yeah, I mean. You, you hear it all the time um, over the past three months um, of oil companies in trouble, t- thinking about filing for bankruptcy, uh, having to shut down wells. Uh, you know, a lot of the oil that we produce in our country is, um, is from uh, fracking. It's uh, from shell formations. And it's more expensive to produce that kind of oil than it is uh, some of the, um, the, the type of oil, the shallow oil and stuff that Saudi Arabia has. So 
the price per barrel has to be at a certain level for it to even be profitable to pull that oil out of the ground. And um, when when you have when you're sort of set in one direction, you know they just didn't anticipate this. The oil and gas companies just. We at the Common Sense Show have a great TV show. We bring in a panel of experts and help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in. Because what once was coming is no longer coming. It's already here, and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future. You can find us at the TV, commercial-free, censorship-free, and we're getting five-star ratings on the world's major platforms. Again, check us out today at TV. Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is, in the interim, hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches, and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call buryyourgold.com. And what it does is it goes into a container. You lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50-year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground. And you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold. Not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to buryyourgold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee. Did you know that the World Economic Forum now, they in the last meeting they convened, they actually had a water board there with water experts, and they tell us our water is in danger and they have to take control of our water. Does that bother anybody? I'm sure it does. And I begin thinking right now about water safety. And we already know there's lead in the water, chemicals in the water. A lot of it's not safe to drink. But we have the answer for you. It's called the Alexa Pure Pro Water Filter. It's the best there is. And scientifically, they leave nothing to doubt as they publish their research at waterwithdave.com. And it's my choice for water filtration. Gravity powered. It reduces 206 contaminants. It targets heavy metals, fluoride, chlorine, and viruses. It is the best there is in the business. And you can read all the research on this simply by going to water with dave.com that's water with dave.com save eighty dollars for a short time figured that demand is just going to continue uh i think the administration did too uh unabated um and they don't it's, it's like having a spigot that's locked in the own position and you haven't figured out that you need a way to turn it off yeah, I've said happy days are here again with the oil prices, but there's a real cost. You know, Dave, there's only one thing that comes to mind here about why this practice would be allowed to be continued. Well, maybe two reasons on the part of the Trump administration. One would be wink and a nod, and I'll see you at campaign time uh, with your donations. <laughs> uh, but the other thing that really jumps into my mind is a lot of people, and I'm one of them, think that we're on a collision course with possible conflict, military conflict with China, and that you would want extremely cheap oil, and you'd want to hoard as much as you could for a war effort. Have you thought about that at all? Well, the only problem is, I mean, how would you hoard it? Uh, we don't, I mean, our, once the Strategic Petroleum Reserve is full, 
So you're looking to thank someone special for helping you get through the year. Noble Gold has the perfect gift. It's a four-coin set of rare, solid 24-karat gold, Augusta St. Gaudens Lady Liberties. These impressive coins are bullion-grade proofs authenticated by the U.S. Mint. They're changing the current American Eagle design. They're not making any more. Only 20 left. Buy two sets. It'll cost you less than $10,000, and you'll be gifted a free Apollo 11 coin. Discover more. By calling Noble Gold at 877-646-5347. Where do you put it? (laughs) That's that's the big question. Good question. Good question. We haven't haven't built up storage for for like those kind of long-range things. I mean, Strategic Petroleum Reserve is is designed to to protect the country and like situation like we had back in the early 70s where there's an oil embargo and we've had a short supply. Of course, we don't have that situation now because we're actually producing more oil than anywhere else in the world. Well, I just, I look at this and I'm just thinking, but this makes no sense then. Why are they working against their own uh, point of sale and profits? I don't get that. Well, it, it, it seems like it's tracking a little bit with, with this um, uh, willingness to just sort of forget about fiscal responsibility. Um, I mean, if you look at all the spending, and I know obviously some of this spending uh, has needed to be done because of, uh, of the pandemic. But you know we're we're incurring mountains and mountains of debt, and so the whole notion of taxpayers not getting a fair return on uh, uh, leasing of public lands or the production of oil, I guess that just looks like a drop in the bucket to them. But um, you know, um, I think as Barry Goldwater once said, you know, you pick up a penny here or a dime there, and pretty soon you got real money. Mm-hmm. Why? It's it's like they're trying to bankrupt the country. Or at least doing their part to do so. I mean, it could be your time. And, and here's another issue I want to bring in, a side issue. For the last several years, oh gosh, and I bet going back to 2005, 2006, I've been hearing from various Native American leaders, like from the Navajo tribe and so forth, and they they complain vociferously, uh, Lakota Sioux or another, about the... Um, the intrusions onto their native lands that are unwarranted and they get bullied off much of their land in the name of drilling for oil profits. Is this a factor in this at all or is this the same bullying? I just don't get it. How does this all factor together? Well, certainly there are there are, are lands that the tribes consider sacred that um, the administration has been opening up for oil and gas leasing. Uh, in fact, uh, there's a uh, there was some leasing around uh, Chaco Canyon in New Mexico, and uh, the tribes really uh, opposed this. And then um, there's a comment period on the management of that area, and uh, the tribes, since they, they, they don't exactly have the Internet connectivity that you and I do a lot of times, um, they've been asking that we they postpone the, the comment period until this whole COVID-19 thing uh, passes. And BLM said no. And the question is why? <laughs> you know, what's the rush? Uh, not like a lot of things are going to be happening uh, until this thing blows over. Um, so, you know, they're not even letting the, the tribes um, have a have a say in, in any of this stuff. Hmm. Okay, let me go one step further here, and feel free to rein me in here in this uh, maybe fantasy thinking here. But um, I know the Baltic Dry Index that measures trade internationally is at a continual all-time low and has been for some time now. And if COVID begins to um, uh, mitigate and we really do get back into earnest, back to work, and the rest of the world is 
oil deprived couldn't that be a real boon market for that stored oil and those tankers just redirect them to the countries that'll pay whatever they got to get to get started with their economies again uh i'm not sure that there's any star i mean right now the issue globally is a glut of oil mm-hmm. so ev- everybody's having a, the same hard time we okay. are with where to store it um and you know it doesn't take Saudi Arabia and Russia and and, uh, and Mexico and places like that to you know very long to ramp up production, and they're still they're still producing more than they should, as are we, uh, and we have you know we have the um, uh, most of our oil production is really in two places. It's in the uh, Bakken Basin up in the Dakotas, and it's in the Permian Basin down in Texas, uh, West Texas, and uh, and eastern New Mexico, and. Um, and then, of course, you got you know offshore, um, but um, you know the supply of oil is not uh, not really a problem. I mean, I remember uh, years ago when the big issue was everybody was warning about peak oil, um, that meaning that they thought that our oil supply had peaked and we were going down the other side. Um, of course, this new situation gives a whole new meaning to the phrase peak oil. <laughs> we're we're constantly at the top of the peak and drowning. Um, but your point before about this is not good for the oil industry is, is, is very interesting because, yeah, these depressed prices are, are, are forcing a lot of uh, companies into, into dire situations. But one question I have is why? Because if you look over the last two or three decades, um, oil companies have been making a fortune. I mean, they've been making profits hand and fist. You read every quarter all these profits and you know you remember five dollar a gallon gas oh yes um so they have all these profits for decades and we have a downturn for three months and they can't handle it where's all that money been going you know it's i'm baffled as to their motive i i you know i've heard i've heard you explain this what you're saying makes perfect sense but it's it's like they're committing economic suicide, and if you can say one thing about the oil industry, they're 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 very shall we say profit conscious mm-hmm. uh, to the extreme. I mean, you just you go back to the uh, early days of Standard Oil. I mean, just to get a, a personality, and they, and they had to be legislated against. And even then, the legislation wasn't effective, like with the Sherman Antitrust Act. And then even President Kennedy dealt with the oil depletion allowance, and that was a big thorn in his side. And, and so the the oil companies have never been accused of being anything but self serving. Yeah. So. This just to me, I, I'm baffled. <laughs> maybe there's some kind of three-dimensional chess going on game going on here that we can't quite see through. But from our particular concern, you know, our concern is is um, our fiduciary responsibility and uh, um, fiscal stewardship and um, and you know conservation and and those basic principles that those those are conservative principles. I mean, go back to Teddy Roosevelt. I mean, um, you know. And and you know if you grow grew up in, in uh, rural America, you know you you've been taught steward basic conservation and stewardship. You know hunt for just what you need, uh, um, uh, store things, conserve things, um, and um, you know right now our, our government doesn't seem to be uh, abiding by any of those principles. If we were to go to war, let's say this fall, and let's say it was fairly major, Venezuela, South China Sea, and your enemy is numerically superior to you, 
how does this situation affect a war effort? Has that been something that anybody in your groups have discussed? Uh, we've not. Um, we're, we're sort of dealing a little bit more in the here and now. Mm-hmm. Um, let's, let's hope that's not a, not a situation. Of course, if any kind of war effort, if you look through history, um, you know, nation, you know, our nation has always been quick to mobilize, um, which makes kind of the response to the COVID thing kind of scary because uh, it seems like like we haven't mobilized quite quite as quickly as we used to. I don't know whether that's in, in inherent aspects of our economy, how much uh, production and stuff is overseas, or just uh, you know incompetence at different levels. Uh, but um, you know we've been very slow to respond to this, and so it, it kind of should be a wake up call. It makes you wonder, you know, how ready are we to uh, to respond to other kinds of crises, even if it was as bad as uh, something like like a you know another war another large war i think industrially we could i think what we're seeing with the uh, problems with covid is we're allowing the uh, um shall we say the medical establishment to make economic decisions at the same time and they're not equipped to do so and i don't think they understand the balance between you know health and uh financial health i don't think they see that balance um and i think that this kind of explains the approach we're seeing that seems to be rather fragmented um but yeah i i just the fact that this would happen on top of the covid crisis too is interesting to me it may not be conspiratorial but i don't think it could come at a worse time do you well no and you know we um we really think that our our energy supply should be diversified um you know if you you own a stock portfolio you you want to um you want to diversify that. You don't want to own all, have all your stock in one company or, or one uh, industry. And um, so, one thing that we've noticed with our, at least in, in the transportation sector, obviously that that's not been very diversified. And uh, right now, you're seeing really bold moves by Republicans in places like Utah and Nevada, um, and even Arizona, um, really pushing. Uh, more electrification of our transportation sector and uh you're, you're seeing it in the long-haul trucking industry too where you've got peterbilt and kenworth and uh of course tesla has has a semi-truck too and um they're all trying to electrify as well um because it makes economic sense to them and and then they're not held hostage to uh, to fuel prices as, as much but the um the thing is nobody envisioned what we got now whereas we've got we got very low fuel prices, but uh, uh, that's not a sustainable thing uh, over the long term. You know, one of the things, okay, let me just pose this as a straight hypothesis. As I'm sitting here, you know, analyzing this issue of the oil glut, which is driving down prices, I've often said, you know, the, the main reason we don't have, uh, you know, a lot of electric cars or solar power cars on the road or we don't uh, go with alternative forms of energy is because it's too profitable for certain people to use oil and there's no incentive for them to make a switch. And now I'm wondering with the depressed oil market, would this open the door for um, moving these oil companies, diversifying and expanding into alternative forms of energy? Yeah, well, they have been diversifying and expanding the oil companies, the big oil companies. I mean, you know, the majors like Exxon and BP and and Chevron and and Shell and those guys, um, where a lot of the a lot of the ones that you see that um, uh, are in trouble now are the ones that are not diverse, have not been diversifying over the several, last several years. You know, Chesapeake and 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 companies like that who are really sort of all in on oil, you know, oil and gas, and. Uh, 
so so yes i mean this should be a, a clarion call uh, uh or, or you know warning shot across the bow however you want to characterize it uh to the oil and gas industry um and to, to other energy for, you know uh, companies that that uh, are energy producers that Diversification is your friend. I mean, that is you. You cannot predict a COVID nineteen uh, with with any certainty. You can't predict when a war is going to happen. You can't predict a lot of things. But uh, by diversifying, you help you know uh, insulate yourself from from those kind of shocks and impacts. And and the value of solar and uh, wind and those things. You know, used to, you know, remember back when uh, Jimmy Carter uh, put those solar panels on the White House. I guess someone could say he was ahead of time if they wanted to be uh, be generous. But, I mean, that technology wasn't going to be ready for another 40 years. Uh, but uh, um, but now, in this day and age, it is a lot more uh, ready. And um, the great thing is in, in states like Nevada and Arizona and Utah, you, you can have utility-scale solar in the state. So your power is being generated in your state – no pipelines, no, you know, coal trains, nothing that, no supply lines that depend on other things. You are self-sufficient. And uh, um, actually, uh, to that end, um, late last year, um, or actually it was early last year, now, um, the um, Nevada State Legislature uh, passed uh, a renewable energy standard of uh, 50% by 2030. And the funny thing about that is, is they did that with 100% Republican support. Not one Republican wow. voted against that. Because what does Nevada have of an abundance of? Solar, sun. obviously, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they have tons of sun. So now, you know, Washington State, it would probably be different. <laughs> the Common Sense Show is proud to be able to bring you some very special deals for my pillow. For example, they've got half off my pillow bed sheets, more than half off their slippers, their sandals, their mattresses, their topper covers, women's lingerie. Now, they have extremely great products, as you all know. Ladies and gentlemen, right now go to mypillow.com backslash Hodges. Use the coupon code Hodges to take advantage of these great opportunities. Mypillow.com backslash Hodges, coupon code Hodges. Hey, but in Nevada, it made total sense. And, um, uh, other other uh, ones in the south, and right now, you know, the price of solar is is so low, it's um, it's squeezing out oil and oil and gas too. So, so that diversification that we were talking about earlier with the the uh, energy companies is is key to their survival. And uh, the ones that get that are probably going to weather the storm, and the ones that don't get that are you know they might not be here in a in a couple months. Have you seen the uh, some of the details of the? Uh, um green movement of Ocasio-Cortez and what they're calling for getting people out of their cars, for example. Have, have you looked at that at all? Uh, no, I've not. Well, Okay, but let me just cut right to the chase. They're saying a lot of what you're saying here, but they say it without substance and backup. In other words, they say, we got we got to get you out of your cars and do other things, but they don't even talk about the benefits. It's just like, we're the government, we're the boss, and we're going to tell you what to do, rather than incentivizing their documents because the way you explain it, there's real financial motive to do this. The way they explain it, it's like, we're the government and we'll do what we want. Well, um, are you referring to the Green New Deal? Exactly, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, I, yeah. Uh, yeah, the Green New Deal, I mean, <laughs> we, uh, 
we shake our head at that. And um, uh, the reason is, if you if you read it, it it you know it professes to be about climate change, but if you read through this thing, uh, it has very little to do with climate. Um, it's it's actually you know about you know social equity and equity of outcomes and um, and thing things like that that um, you know here on you know us on the conservative side uh, have, have some issues with, um, mm-hmm. but um, uh, there's there's plenty of incentive for uh, moving away from um, from oil and gas and coal um, uh, and and you know one that we're not really we haven't really talked about is uh, with uh, with COVID-19 and, and, and what that does to your lungs and, and how it attacks vulnerable lungs, um, the whole concept of, you know, every breath matters and, and, and our air quality is, is important, that's, um, that, that's something people should be thinking about, too. And in Utah, and, you know, Utah is about as red as they come, the, uh, the state legislature there has been really pushing electric vehicles. Um, and it's been, the whole effort's been led by Republicans. And the reason for that is air quality along the Washats front has been a problem, and their constituents, who are Republican as well, uh, are really upset about it. They're, they won't they won't cleaner air, and so um, uh, most of that pollution there is coming from the transportation sector. So they're pushing really hard. And you know, it's it's funny. You would you would think that electrification of vehicles would be something that'd be pushed by the left in places like New York or Boston or, or places like that. When actually this movement is coming from the wide open West with in, in red States and, and, and being pushed by Republicans. It's kind of interesting. That is so fascinating to me, but I'll just hazard a guess here. Um, the industries would be uh, profit-oriented, capitalist-oriented, uh, laissez-faire with you know maybe as little as possible government control, and the Democrats and the New Green Deal. I mean, they control every aspect, and it's centrally uh, financed, centrally controlled. And we know from the Soviet Union and their five-year plans that doesn't work. I mean, mm-hmm. to me, that's the biggest difference between what the Democrats are saying and what the Republicans are embracing. They don't want to profit. Yeah. And that's why we we do encourage um, uh, conservatives to um, to be more active on on issues on you know on the environment and and things like this like we used to be. I mean, if you look through through Republican history, you know Teddy Roosevelt. I mean, he he sort of uh, set the bar on uh, our public lands ethic and wildlife ethic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go up through through history. I mean, Hoover did some great things, um, Eisenhower, and then you get to Nixon. And you get, you know, you get the the Clean Air Act, you get the Clean Water Act, Endangered Species Act, uh, NEPA, all these different things, uh, because we had a huge pollution problem back then, uh, Cuyahoga River on fire, uh, sludge worms in Lake Erie, so forth, um, and we fixed a lot of that, and that was done by, you know, Republican leadership and a lot of lot of uh, votes in in Congress that were were like, you know, ninety nine to one and stuff like that. Um, and then even with with with, with Reagan, um, they got the lead out of gasoline. He um, he pushed through the Montreal Protocol to deal with the ozone depletion issue, and and then George H. W. Bush with the Clean Air Act amendments and and um, acid ra- dealing with acid rain. Um, Republicans have have owned this issue so much through history, and and have uh, been leaders in this. And the problem is, if we cede all this stuff to the left um, to to find the solutions. We're going to get solutions like the Green New Deal, and you know that, that's not the answer. But uh, 
uh, that's why if we disengage on this stuff and we, we don't take these kind of issues seriously uh, for whatever reason, we're basically, you know, handing the football off to the left. Excuse me, are you saying that, are you embracing a kind of a decentralized approach to energy diversification? Is that what I'm hearing? Well, I just think we need to be proactive and do things in a way that's market friendly and, you know, recognizes recognizes market realities. You let the market work for you to the ends that you're trying to achieve. You don't work, you don't swim upstream against the market. Exactly. When when I analyze President Obama's uh, uh, plan to uh, have climate change, uh, and he wanted to do away with 80% of energy, which I just thought was ludicrous, and the Senate shut him down. But when I look at that, it's a centralized control where a centralized agency will hand out carbon credits, and you can trade your way out of it. And I always said, well, how can you trade your way out of it if it's a crisis in our environment and the Earth is going to come to an end in 11 years, like Ocasio-Cortez said? How can you let anyone buy their way out of their energy usage quota? It doesn't make any sense. And this centralized control will allow a few people to get filthy rich. Well, I think there is going to be widespread economic abuse. And when I asked you about decentralization, you kind of answered it when you said, yeah, we let the market determine. That's a decentralized approach as opposed to a one-size fits all that the democrats are pushing well and and you, you we get it from both sides i mean that the democrats a lot of times push a one size fits all and top down kind of kind of approach but then on the right um especially when you when you get sort of into the realm of special interest influence um you get um you get things like um like what we have with the the utility sector you know there is no free market in, in a lot of times in, in, in our utilities where we get our electricity and stuff. A lot of times these utilities have a captive market. And uh, these companies, a lot of the companies, that, a lot of the uti- big utilities, they, um, they're opposed to anything that's decentralized, like, um, like rooftop solar. You know, the, uh, Barry Goldwater Jr. Uh, you know, has been pushing for rooftop solar in, in Arizona for a long time uh, because – What's better for, especially there's people on sort of the, we're more traditionalist uh, conservative, but the, when you get for, further into the libertarian side of things, what on earth is better than producing your own electricity at home on your rooftop? Especially if you live in a state like Arizona or, or, or Nevada. Um, and, um, but the utilities hate that because basically that just um, siphons off um, electricity that, that could be being purchased through them. Well, I live in Arizona. And we're we're fully solar here at our house, and our utility bill oh, reflects great. that. It's so low. But we can't uncouple from Arizona Public Service, which I have a problem with. But, but we're still better off having solar. But I have a neighbor, um, and I live out in rural Arizona, so I have a neighbor. He's maybe half mile away from me. And I was down at his house a couple of years ago, and he said, yeah, I've got my rates down to $16 an hour, and Arizona Public Service sent their representatives out, and they demanded I fully get back on the grid. <laughs> I'm not joking. I swear this is a true story. A lot of people don't believe this story, but but uh, God bless my neighbor. He says, no, do something. Take me to court. And they've left him alone. Uh, and he doesn't fully embrace the solar approach. He is really, really handy at what he does. And uh, I, I just look at that, that these utility companies do not want to let you off the grid. Yeah, And, and it, it comes back to free market, too. You know, if you had, if you had competition in that market... Um, and given the price of solar lately, uh, you know we're talking we're talking twenty two dollars a megawatt hour for solar plus storage. I mean that's including the battery storage for evening generation. And um, 
uh, that's utility scale prices. When you get that low and, you, and you've got some um, aging coal plants like Four Corners and stuff, um, you know, selling electricity at $84 a megawatt hour, um, I mean, people don't realize how much money they're forking out for energy uh, at, at higher prices when they could be they could be paying so much less. Yeah, like I said, we didn't really like the APS plan, and my wife and I sat down, though, and she's the money person. She used to run a major corporation here in Arizona and had a big budget, so I let all the financial things go to her, and she came back and she said, you know, honey, if we go solar, it's not perfect, but in seven years, we'll have completely paid for it, and we'll have a bill usually of under $5 a month. (laughs) And I'm thinking, okay, sign me up, honey. And exactly. we were lucky enough exactly. to have the money to put the solar on at that time. Uh, and so I hear exactly what you're saying. So let's go full circle back to this oil glut problem. I'm going to place you hypothetically at the uh, board of directors, maybe a CEO of a major oil corporation, say, oh no, like Exxon. And I'm going to ask you a question. How are you benefiting from the glut? What, what would your answer be based on all that we've talked about? Uh, I would have a hard time um, answering that question. I I, I couldn't. I mean, I think, uh, I guess the only way you could benefit, I guess, is these other com- smaller companies like uh, Chesapeake or, or the oil services companies that are not diversified. See, Exxon and BP and those guys are diversified just enough that, that they can they can weather this storm. It, it hurts them in the short term, but they can probably weather it. But then these other companies that are going to be filing for bankruptcy that are all oil, you know, or all natural gas or whatever, but um, they... They file for bankruptcy. You can scoop in and get those assets uh, for a song and a prayer, and then they become bigger. And then when the oil price, when the oil oil market rebounds, then um, they're in a better situation. I gave, uh, and I think you'll catch the metaphor here. Uh, Gosh, it was probably 12 years ago. I went to uh, our nearest town, uh, Wickenburg, Arizona, population of 7,000, and Walmart wanted to move into town. And I went and did a presentation based on data I had acquired. And uh, I said, you know, when Walmart comes to town, you're going to love them if you're a consumer only because they're going to lower their prices to a level to where everyone's going to shop there and then in five years all your small businesses will be gone and then they'll jack their rates up about 10 to 20 percent over what they were charging when they came to town and what your small businesses were charging am i hearing this undersell philosophy here that maybe the big oil companies want to drive out the second level competition that aren't diversified well i'm not sure it's by design Uh, i mean obviously they they couldn't predict COVID 19 but um I think just by by the nature of their business and their their sort of move toward diversification uh, some years ago, that they are just it's just like anything with a stock market portfolio. You know, if you're if you're diversified with bonds and stuff, and when the stock market goes down, you're 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 able to sort of weather that storm. Um, they they're in a position to weather the storm, and they're going to be opportunistic um, as as as. They probably should in, in their situation, uh, and they're going to um, uh, scarf up these uh, these companies that that can't can't make it, and they get uh, whittled down. I and mean, we we see that kind of consolidation in a lot of a lot of industries when there's economic hard times, and uh, this will be no different. Um, our concern is that um, uh, in order, you know, this situation's making making that landscape for them, but at the same time, we shouldn't be, um, you know 
hurting taxpayers in the process by um, by continuing to do business as usual and uh, 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 have lease auctions when we know we're not going to get anything above a minimum bid and um, and cut royalties, um, which which you know create even exacerbate exacerbates the situation even more. Do you think that, excuse me, since a lot of these um, deals are promulgated on native land, that perhaps a big boost for your approach for, you know, responsible stewardship of taxpayer-owned lands could also contain a civil rights component to it in in defense of Native American rights? Well, I mean, certainly, I mean, their rights should be respected and, uh, and, um, their land and their sacred, you know, their sacred land and their religions and stuff. Uh, all that should be should be taken into account. <clears throat> One place where this came in really uh, as an issue is um, something the the administration did early on, where it was trying to roll back some national monuments in Utah, uh, Bears Ears and the Grand Staircase Escalante. Um, those places are just full of Native American sacred sites, and um, um, they did this through a. Comp- in our view, a complete misread of the Antiquities Act that, that Theodore Roosevelt pushed through. In fact, the Antiquities Act, it was um, uh, uh, sponsored by a Republican, it was passed by a Republican Congress, and it was signed into law by a Republican president. Um, and, you know, it, it was a one-way thing. It's, it's like you can protect lands, but it didn't give you any kind of authority to, to, to go backwards. And But because there are you know, energy interest, uh, oil, coal, uh, uranium, uh, that were had the, the administration's ear, uh, and 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 you know some folks in Utah, uh, in the in the, that delegation, um, they um, they rolled those back. And if you look if you look at a map of where in the past they had uh, the USGS had suspected, uh, you know, <clears throat> where those mineral mineral wealth. You overlay that map over where they decided to roll back the boundaries of those monuments. It traces that exactly. In other words, their whole intent was to roll back those monuments to uncover those those resources because they had companies already, you know, bending their ear that oh, we want those resources and they're protected right now. We can't get to them. Um, and you know, what the Native Americans wanted to do and and, and wanted to protect uh, didn't matter a whit. Wow. If I'm an attorney for uh, uh, these natives, uh, native tribes that are being affected this way, I'd be putting those maps out and saying, hey, this is cultural genocide, and, you know, all the hyperbole that would go with that. And I think that would attract a lot of attention. Here in Arizona, native causes are big. You know, I'm disappointed we haven't cut more into the, the poverty level and, and lower that, but the causes here are big, and I, and I understand they are in New Mexico, too. Uh, so I think this is fertile ground here. So let's go to solutions now, okay? So I think you've really articulated. Bitcoin sinks below 40000 and the world is celebrating because the most successful investors buy when everyone else is selling, and they sell when everyone else is buying. Because cryptocurrency is a risky investment, you as an investor need a fully secure digital money platform, and that's what we give you with My Digital Money, MDM for short. MDM uses unparalleled military-grade cold storage for your cryptos, which is also fully insured. Because this was created by Colin Plume, CEO of American-based Noble Gold, when you reach customer service, you'll be able to understand what they're telling you english spoken here mdm will help you open and maintain your crypto ira so go to their website mydigitalmoney.com 
Digital currency is a new and very speculative market. It is risky. No outcome can be predicted with any investment. is subject to complete loss and not suitable for all investors. MyDigitalMoney.com is really where you want to go to have a safe place to invest. You have enough to worry about. Let us help you set it up, and you'll be extremely happy with our service. Related very well that uh, the oil companies are being allowed by BLM to operate against taxpayer interest. So what can the average person do in our audience to help with this situation if they, if we want to reverse this as a nation? Well, the, the, the first thing I would suggest people do is really scream bloody murder at their uh, elected representatives in Congress. Uh, you know, their, their House member and their, their two senators. Um, especially ones that have uh, have Republicans in those offices that represent them, um, tell them, hey, you know, this is this is a um, this is not protecting my interest as a taxpayer, um, and you need to do something about it. Uh, if the administration is not going to like change direction to uh, to fit with the market, um, and and going to keep on this path that just puts us in more debt, and uh, eventually taxpayers are going to suffer for it then Congress needs to do something and and enforce that issue. And uh, they can. And their next, uh, I'm sure there's going to be another stimulus bill, uh, when they do that, they can put in uh, provisions that that, um, uh, halt leasing temporarily so that our our interests are protected or that prevent the administration from giving royalty relief uh, that would um, create an incentive to to produce oil at a time when we, we don't need it right now. Uh, the thing is, the oil is going to be there. You know, it's it's taken taken millions of years to to uh, to develop. It's going to be there. Uh, so, put, hitting the pause button doesn't doesn't take it away. It's not like what you know some you know left groups are saying, where is oh we can't use any oil anymore. We just got to stop. This is a pause button. This is not a uh, uh, you know plug up plug it up forever uh, thing. And um, you know it makes so much common sense. And it's fiscally responsible. It uh, it works toward conservation. It works toward the, the principle of multiple use, which uh, we know has been around since Teddy Roosevelt's time, where you you manage that land for its highest use at the time. And right now, oil production is is certainly not what we need. And the industry's hoarded enough uh, leases and enough permits. Uh, they've got enough to last them a long time. So so pausing for six months or even twelve months. Uh, would not hurt the industry in the least and actually it would ultimately lead to to higher oil and gas prices faster once the economy starts coming around well i really like what you said too about we're going to see another stimulus i think without question a stimulus or even two and i think that if we're getting more from our lands at fair market value that we should be that protects taxpayer interest that enables the government to do more for people that they shut down through no fault of their own businesses are failing employees are laid off i like that approach and i think this is the right time to bring this forward well let me ask you this how can people follow your good work what what are you looking for from our audience besides you know contacting uh, their representatives oh well they can certainly visit our website at um, www.conservativestewards.org they can also find us on facebook and twitter the organization's conservatives for responsible stewardship uh, we have we have over 20,000 members nationwide so uh, it doesn't cost anything to join be part of our network and uh, we can uh, hopefully turn this kind kind of thing around well what typically makes up the base of your membership what 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 kind of walk of life do people come from their background 
Uh, well, it's all walks of life, and it's it's all ages. Although we we probably skew a little bit older. Um, our, our board, we have we have quite a few folks in our seventies and stuff like that. That's okay. Uh, but uh, but um, we have we have members in every state. We tend our membership tends to grow in states and in, in districts that are that are more Republican. Um, and um, most of our members are traditional Republicans. I mean, you know. Ronald Reagan type Republicans, um, uh, people that um, uh, understand what conservation means and has meant, and that um, you know conservatives have always, um, in the past, has, uh, led the charge on this and done so in a in a way that makes sense, and um, they want to be out there and uh, uh, be back active in this. I think I think our party has, uh, or the Republican Party, has has seeded this whole playing field to the left for a long time mm. uh, since since probably the mid-90s and um we don't need to do that we've got good ideas we've got we we care about this stuff too so so why why disengage why not be actively engaged and um in a meaningful way and and put our ideals out there to compete uh with uh, the ideals that come from the other side well you convinced me in this interview because i knew a little bit about this topic but you can tell by the novel questions I asked, I had a lot of learning to do, and I still do. But, but the decentralization, fiscal responsibility, and responsibility to the environment and the welfare of the country are things I think we can all get on board with. Uh, I'm sorry, we're just about out of time, Dave, but we've been speaking with Dave Jenkins, and uh, we'll post his information when we go to the website with this interview for contact information because it'll be a little hard to remember. But, uh, Dave, thanks so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. This was a fascinating discussion. It'll be my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Okay, take care. Stay tuned everybody. We'll be right back. Bitcoin sinks below 40000 and the world is celebrating because the most successful investors buy when everyone else is selling, and they sell when everyone else is buying. Because cryptocurrency is a risky investment, you as an investor need a fully secure digital money platform, and that's what we give you with My Digital Money, MDM for short. MDM uses unparalleled military-grade cold storage for your cryptos, which is also fully insured. Because this was created by Colin Plume, CEO of American-based Noble Gold, when you reach customer service, you'll be able to understand what they're telling you english spoken here mdm will help you open and maintain your crypto ira so go to their website mydigitalmoney.com digital currency is a new and very speculative market it is risky no outcome can be predicted with any investment is subject to complete loss and not suitable for all investors my digitalmoney.com is really where you want to go to have a safe place to invest you have enough to worry about let us help you set it up and you'll be extremely happy with our service we at the common sense show have a great tv show we bring in a panel of experts and help people navigate the uncharted waters that we're living in because what once was coming is no longer coming it's already here and we're getting you the help so you can make better decisions for your future you can find us at the common sense show.tv commercial free censorship free and we're getting five star ratings on the world's major platforms again check us out today at the common sense show.tv Every knowledgeable person knows that when you have gold, you've protected your wealth. But what if the government one day wanted to confiscate your gold so they can gain total control, knowing that one day the smoke will clear and gold will be perfectly available, and that's happened all throughout history. So what you need to do is in the interim, 
hide your gold. You can do that by burying it. You can go down about 12 inches and that's all you're going to need to do. And we have a product that we call buryyourgold.com and what it does is it goes into a container, you lower it in the ground with a hole you've dug up to 12 inches. It's a 50 year warranty on the device. It only weighs 17 pounds to pull it out of the ground and you can keep it for safekeeping. And I'll tell you, this is the way to hide your gold. Not in false walls, but underground will be very, very difficult to detect. To find out more, go to buryyourgold.com. The product is fully guaranteed with a money-back guarantee.